0: Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message.
1: Thanks, Pastor Galen, for the intro. Again, he he mentioned the first service to, to ask people to sit back and relax. Today's a heavy one, so let's start off. Let's take a deep breath, but please don't breathe out of your mouth and just cover the people in front of you. So, uh, it feels good sometimes, right? To just slow down. Uh, and so there's your moment of relaxation before we have some fun. If you missed last Sunday, last Sunday was an awesome opportunity for you to hear what's happening inside the life of this church. It's hard for me to preach the Sunday after that. And what I'm talking about is we got to hear all of the things that we as a church were able to do in 2022, the different ministries, uh, the different groups that took place and to be able to celebrate some incredible victories. And that's because of your faithfulness and making this a priority, but also to share your story and so I'm so grateful for, for so many of those who choose to, to continue to make this place their home and welcome in people from our community so that this place is home for them. I'm so grateful to be at a church like this that cares about our community and the community boundaries don't just stop with a city boundary. I mean, to be able to say that we are a church that goes everywhere, literally everywhere across the world is so cool. And so I'm, I'm with you and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. As Pastor Galen mentioned, uh, it's, it's great to be able to, to be in the rec program, but also it's great to preach. I love being able to share the word of God as an ordained elder in the church of the Nazarene. Like considering myself an ordained elder just doesn't fit me. So I just, I like to just say I, I am credentialed, um, but I also just like to talk about God with people and live life too. And so I'm grateful for this opportunity to be able to share with you this morning. This morning, I want to talk about a few different things uh, in, in regards to how we manage stress, how, how we go through life and be able to just take the things that happen and be able to, to move through them, but also invite God into those spaces. How many of you have a job that allows you for a 15-minute break or you get a lunch break? Anyone by a show of hands have that kind of job? Way more than the first service. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm just shocked. Like growing up as a kid, I worked and mowed grasses, and then I got a real job with tax papers and stuff. And that was like the highlight of my work shift. It wasn't that I disliked my job, but I was waiting for that phone call over the radio. Like, hey, Ethan, it's your time to take a break. And, and I enjoyed my job, but I just liked that that moment of relief. Uh, just this last week, um, last Wednesday, I was sharing with the worship planning team uh, the direction of my sermon. I was really, really excited uh, to talk about, give me a break and talk about the blessings of, of how God provides in all the chaos of life only to less than 24 hours later, have a conversation with my office manager who was incredible, uh, who was who turning in her resignation and, and talk about a, a punch to the stomach. That was it. Like I wanted to lose my lunch. It was that bad. (laughs) And she was so good. And she's, she's able to, to take her, get her talents and gifts and take them back to a park district where she was at um, many years ago and and be able to do the incredible work that she did here, but be able to do it there and to do so uh, by living the life of Christ out in her life. Uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I had to work with Jennifer over these last 11 months, but it leaves a pretty big hole in the, the Nazarene recreation office. And so again, I share that with you because, I've saved a seat for myself. My coat's in the front row because the sermon isn't to, to, to make you feel guilty for how you manage stress. It's for me to receive it as well too. Um, my entire perspective on the sermon changed just this last week and so I want you to know that even in the midst of the chaos of life, life can wear us down. Stress can, can feel like it's overwhelming but always to be reminded that God provides, God provided and God will always prove himself. As selfish as that moment was for me to stand there and ask God for a break, I am, prov- I am provided with that promise that God is always there. And so today as we step into this, this time together of give me a break, maybe you've been at the end of your rope when you're just saying, all right, God, what now? Like, seriously, like, give me a break. Or maybe you're on the opposite spectrum, side of the spectrum, where David is at the end of, uh, of, of 2 Samuel, where he's telling God, thank you so much for providing. We'll spend a little bit of time in 2 Samuel 22, three through seven. But before we could even get into there, I felt like the need was there to go with you over the first 50 chapters leading up into that in First and Second Samuel. So open your Bibles. We're gonna be here for a while. I'm just kidding. I'm gonna move through 50 chapters of the Bible as fast as as I possibly can, just a few weeks ago, Galen talked a little bit about the story of David and and his shortcomings and how he put himself in a position where he shouldn't have been in the first place, saw something he shouldn't have saw, and then continued to, to act on that moment of sin and how the stress that would come from that influenced his life and his decisions, but also put him in a pretty awkward position to be in. But before we even got to there, well, we'll start off real quickly. There was this giant and the Philistine army making fun of God and, and David comes up on the scene and David's this scrawny little shepherd boy and he didn't like him talking about his God or his mom so he was gonna do something about it. And so he went and he got what he knew and that was some stones, five stones and a sling. And he was like, I'm ready to do some work. And so here he is, sneaks down in this valley, Battles against Goliath, kills him. But now he doesn't kill him. He takes Goliath's sword, cuts his head off, and is just like parading it, like he's the man, a showboat. Probably right there is where David would have begin to add some stress into his life that wasn't needed. But again, that sets the stage. So then, the same king that was excited to send David out into this battle, Saul, finds out that David obviously defeats Goliath, and then people are worshiping David. They're excited for him. So what does Saul do? Saul gets jealous, and he's like, "Okay, I'm going to." kill you now. So he sends his own son, Saul sends his own son, Jonathan, to assassinate David. What does Jonathan do? He tells David, yo, I'm coming to assassinate you. You got to run. Great. That's awesome. So now he's got a friend and the same guy that was trying to kill him. So David starts to run for his own life. And so some time passes by and David is hiding. And then David has the opportunity where he could have taken advantage of it and gotten back at Saul, but he chose, he chose not to. Then Saul is continuously trying to kill David. David has opportunities again. And then the army is continuing to fight the Philistines. Saul doesn't want the Philistines to kill him because Saul gets wounded. So what does Saul do? He falls on his own sword, takes his own life. So then there's this void and then David steps into the position where he's king. There's more fighting. Again, I could read all 50 chapters if you want me to, but I feel like the synopsis is going to get us to the place where we need to be today. David is king. David commits adultery. David kills the woman's husband that he committed adultery with. David get calls out for it from a prophet named Nathan. Nathan tells him the story of someone who's taken advantage of someone, and what does David do? He's like, okay, let's figure out who this dude is. And Nathan's like, that's you, man. And he's like, you're right, it is me. And David could have done a variety of different things. He could have said, wrong David, wrong King David, nope, not me, you must be thinking of someone else. But instead, he completely accepted it. More fighting takes place, there's family, family issues that arrive, uh, and David just continues to find himself running away. David fights again. David begins to write songs and poems and ballads, the new summer hits of the 800s in BC. More fighting takes place. There's more giants. David, David and his men end up fighting four more giants, four more giants who are brothers with Goliath. Let's do the math there. How many giants is that? Five, four plus one, way to go for all of you who answered the question correctly. How many stones did David take from the stream? Do you remember? Five, man, God's good at math, right? It doesn't even say in, in 2 Samuel 21 how he slayed those giants, but I'm just gonna say if he took five stones and there were five giants, I think those stones were involved. Uh, but it, it's just awesome, it, it, all of this to point out to say that David's life was pretty stressful. And you might for a moment say, I'm with David. Maybe you're not having literally a physical enemy or having to fight giants, but maybe the stresses of life can often feel like that. When it feels like there's someone that is completely out to get you. Or the stresses of life just are constantly surrounding you and you find yourself constantly running away and having to retreat. Which all of this, we know that David's life was full of stress from both decisions that he made, but also the stresses of life from just the everyday things that he would go through. Which leads us to where we are today, Second Samuel 22, verses 2 through 7. You can read with me. It says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people you saved me, and I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and have been saved from my enemies." The waves of death swirled about me, and the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. Yet in my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. And just two books of the Bible were given the story, a, a small piece of David's life who much like us experiences some pretty difficult times, but his response gives us an opportunity to reflect on how we have managed stress ourselves. See, when stress starts to creep in, the cracks from the pressure begin to be made known. And not only are they made known to us, but oftentimes they're made known to the people around us. And how you respond often is, is how people know you are stressed out. I could have a terrible day and not say a single thing, and my wife will step two feet in the door and ask what's wrong. And I'm like, I didn't even say anything. Like, I didn't even even look at you. And she already knew. It's something about that motherly instinct. And your parents know as well, especially your mom. if, If something was going on, she knew about it, whether you wanted her to know or not. But there's something about that that other people can just sense when life is difficult, when you're going through it. Raise your hand if you've ever broken a bone before. Anyone break a bone? Most of us. Raise your hand if you haven't broken a bone. Man, I need to hang out with you guys. I mean, I've... I feel like I've broken about every bone in my body, ribs, fingers, feet, a tooth, a heart. I mean, I've broken it all. And that's how I feel like I know I'm getting old. I remember just recently when I broke my tooth, uh, I, I could crush any bag of popcorn. You name it, I could crush it. And, and, and then you get down to the bottom and there's those kernels that are like one third of the way popped. You know which ones I'm talking about? You, you guys eat those too? Until you crack a molar. And then you're like, yeah, I'm done. I just can't do it. It was just weeks before my wife was getting ready to give birth to our second daughter, Marlo. And I was at gym night at our last church and I was running around chasing middle schoolers and a middle schooler challenged me to a race. And he was fast, like I'll give him that, but he wasn't as fast as me. And so I was like, Jaden, I promise you, you don't want to race me. You're going to lose. And so we, we raced. I gave him a head start to the free throw line, the opposite end of the gym, beat him in a race. But at the end, his friend saw that I was winning and tried to step in front of me. I stumbled, fell, and slammed my elbow into the cinder block wall. And that's how, as a grown man of 29 years old, I broke my elbow racing a, a middle school kid just so I can prove to him that I beat him. And I remember going home and like my whole world was just like this. <laughs> and I knew I physically can't see that I broke my arm, but I broke my arm. So I tried to sleep on it. Literally, I tried to sleep on my arm, and at 2.30, I wake up, and I'm like, Casey, this baby could come at any moment, but my arm's about to fall off. Like, they're gonna have to cut it off. So I go to the ER, and they're like, all right, we're gonna run some x-rays. And so I'm like, cool, I put it on the, the thing, and they're like, no, we gotta flip it over. And I'm like, if we flip this over, I'm gonna flip off this table. Like, I'm done. I'm gonna pass out from the pain. So they take the x-ray, and the x-ray comes back, and he comes back, yeah, you have a stress fracture. I'm like, okay, cool, so yeah, I get the cast and all that. He's like, oh, you get a sling for 10 days, and then just kind of take care of it. And I know what people are going to think, right? I'm going to tell them I broke my arm, and I'm in a sling. Like, how does that look? They're going to say, you didn't break your arm. But if you've had, let me tell you this, any doctors in the room, a few of them maybe, if you've got a stress fracture, you broke a bone, okay? I don't care... Whether or not you've got a cast, I don't, I don't care if it's a stress fracture of the big toe, you broke that bone and you deserve to, to let people know it happened. And so... It hurt. It really hurt, and I struggled with it, but after 10 days, they, they made me give this cast, or not even a cast, but just a sling, and like, I had to pretend like nothing ever happened, that I didn't just break the tip of my elbow running after a kid, uh, and, and it was, I really broke my bone, but I, I knew that even though on the surface, I couldn't see the physical reaction other than the bruised and then the embarrassed nature of, breaking my arm, racing a kid, I knew that my bone was broken, and it's similar to the stresses of life, right? Oftentimes, people can't necessarily see the cracks because we might be able to conceal them pretty well, but over time, it becomes more and more clear to those that are around us that something is happening. How many of you are familiar with Bob Ross, the artist, the painter, Uh, maybe some of a great quote, many of us, and what are some of his things that he says? Anyone remember? Happy trees, right? He'll, he'll just take something that is like, it literally looks like a piece of chewed up um, Tootsie Roll on a paper and you're like, oh, it's gonna be a bush or a tree or a shrubbery. And, and I've got a quote of his that I don't know if I agree with based on the response of David and really just overall my, my frustration in life. This is what Bob Rossi says, ever make a mistake in life, let's make them birds. Yeah, they're birds now. <laughs> like that, that's not how it works, right? Ever make a mistake in life, uh, yeah, n- nope, it's just a bird. Like, even if you painted over whatever mistake you made, underneath that bird lies something else, right? A mistake. And what happens over time, if you ever painted over something in your house, There was like a rust mark, you painted over it, and like three months later, it comes back, and you're like, I thought I painted over that. Like, it, that's similar to what life is like when we try and mask and hide the stresses of our life. You might cover it up and call it a bird, but eventually that bird's gonna look like it's dead or dying, and the paint's gonna come through. And that's just the fact of the matter. And e- even if you've masked it, and no one can tell that there is a dead thing underneath there, something inside of you is going to struggle from it. See, for David, David identified that crack in his life, but he didn't just notice it. He gave it to God. Look what he said in, in uh, 22 verses 2 through 3, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. I really kind of find it funny that David would use that word rock again to define God. Remember, he had just defeated Goliath with the rock, always found himself retreating and hiding in places probably surrounded by rocky areas. David was all about that rock life. His His life was rocky, and the rocks of his life might have been full of moments of firm foundation when he relied on God, but also was full of moments where these rocks had cracks in it from the decisions of himself, as well as some of the things that he faced in life. But for David, he didn't always have to just ask God for a break, God would provide it. And again, maybe you find yourself in a similar position, like life has been great, and anything that comes at you, God provides and he is good, and that's where I was at. Like I was there until last Thursday, and everything changed. I I remember going through life, and I remember the times of my life when I've tried to hide stress or I've tried to just fill it in with whatever I could, only to find myself in an even more difficult position, more exhausted from wherever I had been. See, David didn't just say these words in 2 Samuel 22. If you look at the first two verses, that says that David sang this song to the Lord from the day that he rescued him. See, David sang the song, so if, if, if David were to sing these verses that we had just read, based on his past experiences and what he refers to God, I'm almost positive that if David were to sing this song, it was more than likely a rock song. That was a terrible joke. And thank you for many of you who laughed at it. Uh, as, As Galen became the senior pastor, his jokes have gotten really bad. And so I tried my best to give him one that was probably close to there, and that one was bad. But for those of you that laughed and thought it was funny, thank you for playing with me. You win. Thank you. But see, the stresses of David's life, they, were, they might start off small. And maybe for in your own life, they start off small. But over time, these cracks become more and more visible. And rather, if we leave them unaddressed, they get wider and bigger and becomes more noticeable. And whether you cover it up with a bird or makeup or you do something to try and fill in whatever it is that you're doing, or whatever it is that causes stress, you're only going to find yourself feeling crushed. I remember I grew up and there was a wooded area behind my house that I loved to explore. We found a homeless camp in there. There were railroad tracks. It was a really great place to be as a kid. And in our woods, if you're anything like me, when you step into the woods, you're looking for one thing, and that's a dead tree to push over. Anyone anyone have that desire to push a dead tree over? A few people, and thanks for being with me, but I walk into the woods, and that's the first thing I'm looking for. I'm pushing a dead tree over, and I'm, I'm doing the forest a favor, right? You don't, want, you don't want the birds to build a nest on there. You don't want someone walking through there, and a, a, a swift wind come, and it just hits them on the head, but for me, I had some friends over from school, and I was showing them the woods, showing them the lay of the land, and I saw a dead tree, and I was going to show them my superhuman powers and as I pushed this tree over things were going great until the top half cracked and broke off fell and just destroyed my face I get hurt and and I was crying on the inside and not on the outside and some things in life were meant to be broken in but my head was not one of them And if you know exactly what I'm talking about, some things in life were designed to literally have a constant process of something that does something beneficial for this by either stripping it down or seasoning it. Does anyone cook with a cast iron pan in here? A few people, a lot of respect to you guys. I have no trust in myself to be able to properly maintain a cast iron skillet. I mean, it's a process just to be able to use it. You have to go through this multiple seasoning process of heating and letting it cool and and oiling and all this stuff, like if I'm buying something, I just wanna use it right away. But for you guys, you you have to go through the whole process, then you have to maintain it. How about your favorite baseball glove? Or for some of you, you know where I'm going here, that favorite spot on the couch, the recliner. You sit in it and it's comfortable, it's good, but it's gonna take some moments to really get to where you want it to be. And for David, he experienced a very similar thing, but it came from a response of him having to go to God in the difficult times. Look what he says in 2 Samuel 22, verse four. "'I called on the Lord who was worthy of praise, "'and he saved me from my enemies.'" We know based on that small recap over those 50 chapters that David, the amount of times that people were out to kill him, the times that he faced those five giants, he was surrounded by trouble and he had to call out onto something. The times that he called out on his own self and his own strength only led him to a place of failure and even more stress. But he called out to God. See, this was a practice that David had to learn and we also know that when he relied on those strengths of himself, he found himself in a predicament where his identity would change. He would move from being the man after God's own heart in the eyes of the people or the strong leader, the fierce warrior, the one who killed thousands of men to being known as an adulterer, a murderer. But when he called upon God, regardless of his obedience or not, God answered. For some of us, we needed to hear that today. That when we face moments of stress, how do you call upon God? What is it that you do to stop for the moment and ask God to enter into this place? See, this practice becomes easier when we continuously do it we have to start somewhere. Look for those moments of stress in your lives right now. And maybe for some of you it's not easy or it's not difficult to find whatever that stress is. Maybe it's a specific person. Maybe it's a situation at work. Maybe it's just the overall flow of life and pointing out and finding those areas of stress isn't hard at all and they come to mind pretty frequently. But how have you asked God to enter into that moment? I know exactly what it's like to go through something and completely forget to allow for Jesus to join me in giving direction to my life especially in moments of stress. Just this last week, I, I immediately, regrets crossed my mind of ever saying yes to preach a sermon talking about God giving me a break because again, my, my whole point my whole point and purpose was to say thank you God for providing. And here I was in a moment where I'm like, seriously, come on man, give me a break. But rather than letting that emotion continue to run how I felt about the situation, allowed for God to step in, for his peace to overwhelm me. And I know, yeah, as overwhelmed as I feel right now, I know that God will provide. But would you pray with me in that moment as you go throughout your own stresses of life, knowing that I'm praying with you. Maybe this week you feel led to to share on that prayer request in the app to let us know how it is that maybe life is stressful right now that we can join with you in prayer. On Mondays, again, I share that with all the time. On Mondays, when that um, prayer list comes out to us, and as pastors, we have the opportunity to pray for those things. We're with you in that journey. I think that's what makes this church so great, because not only we as the pastors are with you in that journey, you saw in the examples of life groups filling as a, as a community of believers, we're in this together. So for, for David, he realized when he faced that moment of stress, he had to create a new habit that would allow for his past moment of weakness to start with the willingness to accept that there was something better than what he had continued to try in the past. And for you, maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're like, I see where my area of stress is and I've tried about everything except for allowing for Jesus to enter into that thing. What might that look like for you? How might your your response to the stresses of whatever it is that are causing you to feel broken and empty and feel like the pressures of this world are getting to you? What might that look like for you to allow for Jesus to enter into that moment? I had a conversation with with one of you out in the the lobby after the first service um, to talk about really how stress kind of ruins lives. And oftentimes it feels like it's so exhausting. And the beauty about this relationship with Jesus when it comes to stress, Jesus isn't standing there wondering when are you going to get over whatever it is that you're stressed out about. Jesus is standing there with you, wondering how are you going to allow for him to enter into that situation so he can walk through it with you. Do you believe that today? I know I've spoken from experience of the times where I've tried to get through whatever it is that I'm going through and the, the pressure of everyone else telling you just get over it, move behind it, it's not that big of a deal. But it weighed heavy in my heart. And Jesus is not like that. He stands there with you in the moment, whatever it is that's stressing you out, whatever it is that is causing pain, whatever it is that is taking energy away from you. And he's standing there with you wondering how are you going to let him in? And how are you going to trust on him to prove himself true? I want you to visualize that for a second. Instead of walking through the stresses of life by yourself only to find yourself in something that you can't handle and then look and turn to try and find God wherever he might be in the middle of that moment, what would it look like if you let God lead and you held on? Would it be a sign of weakness for you or would it be a sign of strength, knowing that your own decisions haven't led you in a position where you're able to overcome whatever it is that you faced in the past? by relying on God and by trusting that Jesus is leading you doesn't mean that you're not going to experience stress, it just means that you don't have to face it alone and you've got someone to hold on to. It means that you've got a church and a group of individuals that are here with you that, like myself, as I've saved myself a seat today, going through the same stresses of life as you are. That stress might look different, it might have a different name, but I too feel it. Have you ever jumped the tracks uh, of the railroad tracks with your vehicle before? I remember my dad gave me so gratefully his GMC Safari van, and it was a great van to have in high school. Uh, And there were a pair of railroad tracks, and I had a good friend of mine, and we thought it'd be a great idea to jump the railroad tracks on my GMC Safari. And I saw the water bottle that was on the floor of my van touch the ceiling and hit back down on the floor. And we looked at each other, lucky to be alive going 70 over that railroad track, to like two days later, my dad asking, hey, I noticed the shocks are a little bit... Loose, is there any explanation to that? And I was like, nope, no, not, not sure what you're talking about, but it's a great example because oftentimes when we allow for the stress of something, whatever that moment is, thinking that it'll only have just a small influence on whatever it is that we're going through, oftentimes it'll have a long, life-lasting implication to whatever it is that we've faced. And in that moment of me jumping that track, it reminds me to slow down, that some of the stresses in our lives, when they come, are almost like speed bumps. And if we tend to try and speed through whatever that moment is, you're gonna find yourself with maybe a sore back, maybe people asking questions of what is going on, but ultimately you'd have to find something to replace or to fix that exact situation that you've experienced. The thing about that is when we ask for, f- uh, we ask God into our lives and we allow for faith to become a priority, that's when we seek and put God ahead of our stress. But what does that look like for us? For us, it looks like making church a priority when weekly gatherings become more critical and less than just a possibility. Prayer becomes an important way and essentially is like a spiritual timeout for us for whenever we t- whenever we experience stress. When we seek accountability from someone, it becomes more of an encouragement rather than an embarrassment to the things that you're facing. When you take pride in taking care of yourself, it shows that you wanna be the best you for whoever God puts in front of you, even if those people that are in front of you are the exact people that are causing the stress in your life that is hurting. See, some of the stress that enters into our lives, we've put there by our own selves. Others have been by the mistakes of other people or the struggles of this world that we face. But if we allow to continue for it to occupy the space in our life, we push God further and further out of the places that we need him the most. But instead of ignoring that voice that tells us to get rid of the stress causing the decisions in our lives, what what might our lives look like if we allowed for God to enter in and break it off, to completely remove it? For some of you, that might mean to make a decision to get rid of doing something that you've done for years, and it's been a way that you've man stress in the past, but only find yourself feeling more and more stressed out. For some of you, it's maybe breaking something off and allowing for God to step in and give you a new habit, similar to what David did. Look back at what he did in verses five through seven. It says, the waves of death swirled about me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me, but in my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God, and from his temple, he heard my voice and my cry came to his ears. The waves of death surrounded him. They weren't just the actions of the people, they were sometimes even the actions of his own decisions. But in his distress, what did he do? Did he ignore the mistakes that he had made? Did he try and cover it up and just call it a bird? Did he just hope that the the reality of the stress that he was facing would just completely disappear? No, no. David called upon God. In the stress of your own life, in the day in and day out grind, when some things seem heavier than others, when days are great and other days are the worst day that you could have ever experienced, call out to God. Rather than have to face whatever it is that you've experienced by yourself, by allowing God to enter into that moment, not only are you asking God would you give me a break, but you are confident that God is going to provide. And again, I can't reiterate it enough. I sit in the same seat as you, unless it's today when I'm preaching. But today's message was for me too. To be able to say, God, I know that life is difficult. And I know that you've provided for me in the past. You always have and you provide for every single one of us. And oftentimes your provision isn't what I was hoping for or the experience that I was hoping to go through. But I know full well that you are with me. And for some of you, you need to hear that. Not only that, but that God hears you, similar to what David understood. That God heard his cry, even in the midst of his disobedience, even in the midst of when the chaos of life surrounded him. God heard him. Not only does God hear you, but he notices your, your, your stress moments. He sees the cracks. He's, he sees the opportunities when you've desperately wanted him to, uh, to enter into your life, but maybe you've held him at a distance. But today he's calling for you to receive him. As he hopes to bring you guidance and discernment and wisdom, and maybe he'll give you the peace that you need to be able to manage the stress of whatever it is that you're facing. But not only that, he's hoping to point to you in the areas of the life of your life that don't belong. not only so they just become known to you, not only so you can just fill them in, but to remove the things that don't belong. And Jesus did this for us. When you walked in today, you received a cup for communion. Communion is an incredible way for us to remember the life of Christ, the example that he lived. But more importantly, it's the opportunity for us to receive salvation, to be reminded of that cost for us. And as you entered in and you received this communion, in the Church of the Nazarene, we believe that communion is open for anyone. You don't have to be a member. All we ask is that you would believe and you have asked and received Jesus into your life. That He is your portion. That because of his death and resurrection, we can find forgiveness. And for parents with children, for those that are unsure, we ask that you, uh, you, know, you, you decide that for you and your family and for your children, if they've accepted Jesus into their life. And for some of you today, you might not feel comfortable receiving communion today. And that is completely fine as well. But we wanted you to, to have a physical response today. To be able to say, as, as I leave this place, and as a church, we can experience the resurrection life of Jesus Christ by remembering that He physically broke Himself for us. So that the cracks in our lives of stress of this world that we've created and that the world has thrown at at us, that He can fill it in. But not only that, that He would continue to provide new habits for us just as we receive communion together that we would be reminded of new life and resurrection in Jesus Christ. And today as we get ready to, to receive communion together, and respond as the worship team will will play a song for us. Would you look at the stresses of life and see have I allowed for God to enter into them? Can I create new practices that would allow for God to be first in those moments? And can I create new practices and get rid of some of the things and allow for Jesus to enter into that space?
0: Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz Podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc slash engage, or you can download our app from the app store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.